God's grace and peace are yours through the knowledge of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sola fide. You recognize that, right? We have the English translation of it over to my left here. It's one of those three phrases that sort of still capture what we stand for, what the message of the Bible is, right? Grace alone would be sola gracia. Scripture alone, sola scriptura. Pero sola fide, by faith alone. That's the message of the Bible. We're saved by faith, not because of our works. Faith receives the righteousness that Christ gained for us. We don't accomplish it. Heaven is the sure hope. We are living and breathing, and we know that heaven is where we will be for all eternity. We're not striving to get there. Sola fide. But I wonder if sometimes when we think about faith, maybe we're tempted to think of it kind of like the purpose of a life insurance policy. Good to have a life insurance policy, right? But when does it benefit you? Only, unfortunately, when you die, right? It's definitely good to have it, but its benefit only comes upon death. God's deepest, intense desire is for us to be with him for all eternity in heaven, right? And that blessing is something that we can't even imagine. It's better than anything in life, okay? And yet, I'd like to say this morning that our faith is something that benefits us even now. No matter who we are, no matter the circumstances of our lives, your faith is useful. And that theme, it's in the worship folder under the sermon there, your faith is useful. That comes from the New Testament reading that we already heard, okay? One of the people we meet there is Onesimus. You remember hearing him. Onesimus is a, the origin of that word comes from the Latin, like sola fide does, but the word or his name means useful or the useful one. And we meet Onesimus in this book of the Bible that's called Philemon. It's a letter, it's a story, it's part of the bigger story of the Bible, obviously. As we think about this letter and this story, as we sense the bigger picture, remember our purpose in life, I want you to know that your faith is useful. Like many of the books of the New Testament, Philemon was a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote the letter to Philemon, who was a brother in the faith. And what he wanted to talk about in this letter was Onesimus, another believer. It's a very personal letter. It's a very emotional letter. We're very familiar with Paul, right? Even though he was this persecutor of the church for many years, uh, 
the very opposite of useful. He was totally useless to God and to the church as a persecutor. But nevertheless, God loved him, and God appeared to him, and God called him to faith, and God called him as his apostle, and he made him useful in God's kingdom. And despite being a Roman citizen, Paul, as he wrote these words, was, an, was a prisoner in Rome because of the great persecution that broke out against Jesus and against the church. And so Paul was part of that. Um, he calls himself a prisoner of Jesus. The only useful options that Paul had as he was sitting there waiting his appeal to the Roman emperor, since he was a citizen, he did appeal. But the only useful options available to Paul were to speak God's word to his fellow prisoners, to speak God's word to the guards that were watching over him, and also to write letters to his fellow believers throughout the Roman Empire. So, who was Philemon? Philemon was a fellow believer who came to faith in one of Paul's missionary journeys. Um, he, he, was, he was from the city of Colossae, so he was one of those Colossians, another of the letters that Paul wrote, and he was a leader of that group. The group seems to have met in his house, one of his sons, Archippus, eventually became the pastor of that church there. So he was a believer, a useful Christian, a brother in the faith, and a partner in the ministry with Paul. So we know Paul, we know Philemon, so who was Onesimus? Well, Onesimus was a former slave of Philemon who had become a believer in Jesus. Before we go on, we should probably say something. Um, slavery in the Roman Empire was not exactly the same thing as slavery that's part of the history of our country here uh, in the United States, which is something that we you know, hate and, and condemn. Slavery in the Roman Empire didn't have, usually had nothing to do with race, uh, people could be free, and then because of a debt, they would become a slave, and there was ways of getting out of slavery, so it was very much different. Many slaves were almost treated well, like trusted employees, even members of, of a family. They just didn't have the rights that citizens had. But Onesimus had left from being under the house of Philemon, and he kind of was on the run, and he probably did so by taking some money that he had robbed from Philemon. We get that impression here. And as he was on the run, he eventually found his way to Rome, the capital city, and there he met the apostle Paul, who was in prison there. And Paul did what Paul always did. He shared the gospel with everybody. And God did what God always does. He used our people's testimony about Jesus to bring Onesimus to the faith. So kind of like his former boss, Philemon, now Onesimus was also a believer in Christ, a partner in the ministry, a useful Christian by the work of the Holy Spirit, and through Paul, and to that, 
we would say, coincidence? No, we would say, that's the hand of God at work in his kingdom, and to God be the glory. So, why was Paul writing to Philemon? You kind of heard it, but I just want to read a few of the verses here, just so we remember. So, we've got Paul, who met Onesimus, happened to be a former slave of a co-worker and friend and trusted friend. Not a coincidence, God's hand in things. And so Paul writes to Philemon. On the basis of love, he said, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you. As a runaway slave, what could be more useless? But now he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but even better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. The Apostle Paul, he was a member of the society that he lived in. He was a Roman citizen. He knew what the law said. He knew what his own rights were because he was there waiting trial as he had um, asked for. But Paul saw God's hand in all of these circumstances. He saw a bigger picture. And he appealed to Philemon on the basis of love, right? Take him back. Not to have him executed, which was one possibility. Not to have him enslaved again, which would have been another proper outcome. Welcome him as you would welcome me. Take him back as a fellow believer and as a dear brother. And Paul even offered to pay Philemon whatever Onesimus might have owed him to make things right. And he said, refresh my heart. Maybe the reason that he was separated from you for a time would be, was so that you might receive him back. But no longer as a slave, but as something even better, a brother in the Lord. Think about that. Paul put his faith into action in a useful way. His love for people. His mediating between his two sons, as he called them, and his faith in his Savior. He saw his own imprisonment as a chance to share the gospel and spread the gospel. He encouraged Onesimus to return to Philemon, because that would have been right and proper and correct. And no matter how hard it might be for Philemon, he appealed to Philemon in love to receive Onesimus, his runaway slave, back. He saw himself as this mediator between his two brothers, hoping to get them back together, but on a different level despite their past. 
And of course, Paul had a good point of reference for this, didn't he? As he mediated between two brothers, as he offered to pay back whatever Onesimus owed Philemon and his encouragement to bring those two together, don't they remind you of somebody? (laughs) Don't they remind you of how Jesus is the mediator between God and all humanity? And how God spoke on behalf of us to his Father and even said from the cross, not literally, but said, charge it to my account as he died for your sins and my sin. Paul put his faith into action in a useful way. Philemon put his faith into action in a useful way. He supported the work and spreading of the gospel in his hometown. He opened up his home for worship. He encouraged others to hear the good news. And then he received Paul's words of encouragement to receive Onesimus back without seeking to punish him or or take out revenge on him. And we can be sure, if Paul was so confident of that, we can be sure that that's how Philemon received these words of Paul and that he did choose life for himself and for Onesimus and that he did take up his cross even though it maybe wasn't easy and he received back this runaway slave now as a brother. And Onesimus put his faith into action, too, in a useful way, didn't he? He returned to to Philemon just as his duty and as the law would have required. He was willing to make things right with Philemon, but even more importantly, he became another useful believer in God's kingdom. He marveled at God's grace in his own life, and he pointed others to the grace of God for them. All three men, Paul, Philemon, Onesimus, they all put their faith into action in a visible way, in a useful way, by seeing the bigger picture, by not just thinking of themselves, their own circumstances, their own consequences. They saw things from God's perspective, and they let love And God's desire that all people come to faith and be saved motivate their lives and their actions day to day. There are many Pauls and Philemons and Onesimuses among us today. In fact, we could say in some ways that all of us are like Paul or Philemon or Onesimus, as we gather today to worship our Savior and to fellowship with one another. All of us are both slaves to sin according to our human nature, but also redeemed children of God bought back through the blood of Christ and loved by God from all eternity. Apart from God, we would be useless for all eternity. But nevertheless, God has redeemed our lives. He's redeemed us. And he's made us useful in his kingdom by giving us faith 
And that faith wants to continue to grow and be nurtured and express itself in love. And we all need to grow in, in our expression of love and in the faith that we have, the purpose, because God has made us useful, specifically by giving us faith. And this letter and this story can help us see how, or maybe we might say where, in our relationships with one another, at home, workplace, right? By putting love into practice, by always seeking reconciliation in the way that we speak and in the way that we think, and looking not only to receive forgiveness, but also looking to share forgiveness with others. And in our congregation, as we work together in the mission and the ministry, nurturing ourselves with the word, reaching out with the gospel, that same faith expressing itself in love will be useful among us. And in our community, to impact the community that where God has placed us, a community that has problems and needs Christ. And we have opportunities to share that gospel. In fact, faith is what our relationships, what our congregation, what this community needs most of all. And just as Paul was confident that Philemon would take his words and encouragement and act in love and in faith in a useful way, I'm also confident of the same thing. That you all, through faith, can continue to grow and see the bigger picture. You can see God's hand in what he allows in the circumstances and in what he does and what he allows to happen and more importantly, most importantly, in what he says to us through his word. Through faith, a Christian looks at things differently, not just as slaves and debts and revenge. Christians look at things differently. Loving others is more important than protecting my rights. Wanting others to be saved is more important than any other thing in this world. We don't just do what's good for me. We think about what's good for the kingdom and for the salvation of souls. We live in a sinful world. In fact, our sinful nature often rises up and gets the best of us too. But as we do, by God's grace, we are growing in our thoughts, words, and actions. We're overcoming sin. And so when we get it right, in other words, when we live out in faith, we don't grow proud of that or arrogant about that. We're thankful to God and we give him the glory. But then when we get it wrong, when our sinful nature gets the best of us, we don't wallow in it. We don't despair because of it. We recognize our sin. We go to Jesus for his forgiveness. And then we ask him for his help. When others, on the other hand, maybe get it right, that doesn't cause us to be jealous or to wonder why or in any way. We give glory to God. And when others get it wrong, 
We're not quick to judge them or jump on them, but we're looking as Paul to bring reconciliation, to apply love, and we seek to encourage and to bring back because our faith is useful. So why? Why intercede for others? Why treat others with love? Why be concerned about their salvation or that others get along? Because that's what Jesus did for us, and he still does for us all the time through his word. And in this letter and in this story, we see God doing what God always does, and Paul did what he always did, and may we my brothers and sisters in Christ, do what Christians do. Believe that we are forgiven. Love, love God, and love others. Fellow believers, those who don't believe. And may we encourage one another in our lives that our faith might be useful, that we see the bigger picture, that we find a wonderful purpose in life, the gospel of Jesus. And at the end of the day, give him the glory. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.